Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 583, air date April 21st, 2020. You do that. Okay. All right. All right. All right, Jen, we're back. Do you see it, Jen? All right, everyone, we're back. Sorry about that. Let me just turn this back on. It should be part two. Do you see it, Jen? Yes. Is it on YouTube or no? Um, still refreshing that. Okay. If not, we'll just start here. Okay. All right, everyone. Sorry about that. Okay. Okay, yeah. so let's ask some questions here. Hold on just a second. Yep. Oh, I just put it up on my Twitter and and my Facebook. Okay, because I think that people who are on just kind of wanted to know where this is being sent because I didn't realize it was going to be sent someplace else. Um, well, I do lives and, you know, I, I have to do my lives on a regular basis. We, we built up an audience, so pe- it's, you know, it's a part of being transparent. We, I share what I do with everyone. Okay. Yeah. Katerina in Texas, you had the first question. Yes, hi, Dr. Shiva. Um, How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. I'm a, I'm a primary care physician in uh, Texas. I do direct primary care. I'm independent. Uh, oh, wonderful. Um, and I, lots of doctors on this talk with you tonight, uh, some of our concerns are um, actually, from my standpoint, I grew up in uh, former Yugoslavia, and uh, I know what communism is, and uh, some of the decisions that are happening on uh, different in state levels are starting to resemble some of those things I lived through. And for us physicians right now, the struggle that we're having is we are getting a lot of directives from our medical boards or pharmacy boards not allowing us to prescribe medication that we think can help with uh, the crisis that we have and I know you're running for Senate but uh, what are your suggestions you know we all are putting the message out with our patients and uh, advocating and writing letters but it seems like it's an uphill battle no matter what we do so what are your suggestions yeah it's a great question look um, many years ago when I um, I was very interested in you know uh, politics and these kinds of things when I was younger you know and um, I remember among those of us who sort of were starting to figure a lot of these things out we recognized that the uh, a friend of mine for example um, worked in his congressman's office okay and you know what they do in congressman's office right when they get your letters they have some intern getting your letters they check off what the letter is and then they send you out a form letter okay it's just collected So the historical way that people manipulate people who are sincerely interested, write your congressman, write your congressman, write your congressman. It's total nonsense. Nothing significant has ever come from politicians. 70% of them are lawyer lobbyists. They're in there for two year and six year terms. And the day that they get in, they're trying to get reelected. So we need to break through this total illusion Fortunately, I did it when I was about 17, 18 years old. And most people get misled. And most of the organizations out there are about misleading people because people want to be important and people want to say, well, I went to you know the congressman's office and we had, well, they're not going to do anything. No change. And the kind of change we're talking about is not some little tweak, you know, I want to get a traffic ticket or some citation. We're talking about systemic change. So let's understand what we're trying to do. We're trying to change things at a systemic level. And that systemic level I'm talking about is trying to fundamentally change a system which has become consolidated, to your point, like a state capitalist system, like a crony capitalist system, which is what many of these quote-unquote Marxist places were, be it China, you know, Yugoslavia, etc. Top-down control of an oligarchy which has embedded itself with some people in industry as one, and it's all about top down, top down, top down. 
they are never going to want to decentralize medicine to the DCP model, right? Or DPC model that you do. They do not want to have, they basically want to keep physicians as slaves. The model is physicians themselves, unfortunately, have to join these medical boards and they're kept in golden handcuffs. And now it's worse than that. They're, you know, they, you know, they had some quote unquote prestige at one point. And that too has been removed by the preponderance of the administrators through the GPOs and the PBMs. And we can talk about that. But fundamentally, it's a top-down model. So anyone who thinks that you're going to change this at a significant level um, from politicians is frankly very, very, is living in illusion. Now, I'm running for U.S. Senate, but I'll be very, very frank with you. The GOP establishment does not like me, just like they did not like Trump. They see me as an outsider. They want lawyer lobbyists. I'm running against three lawyers, by the way. I'm the only guy who works for a living. Three lawyers. And the reason I'm running is to be the tip of a spear of a movement. And we've articulated that movement as truth, freedom, and health. Do you think I think one individual can change like something you know, among those other hundred? No, but what I can do, which I've shown I can do successfully, is I can be a big megaphone for a movement. And that's what we need. We need to build definitely a local, but a national, but a global movement because the enemy is the same. And we're seeing it with this coronavirus. This is something that was architected. It was planned. And it was planned where China was the model. It's made in China. Let's export China. Top down everything. That's what you're seeing. And this was architected. Look, Bill Gates, even though he didn't build DOS, he stole it from someone else and resold it, quote unquote stole it, bought it at a song. But he knows software. You know how software works? Version Alpha, beta, and gold. If you've never heard that, alpha version, beta version, gold version. First you test it, initial set of people, event 201. Then you release the beta version, which is what we're doing right now. And then you go gold, which is the next step. And what I mean going gold is mandated medicine, top down which means more restrictions on doctors, more restrictions, massive restrictions on the individual. And what we're witnessing here is basically automaton type medicine. You don't even need doctors. You could probably have robots do it, right? If this, then this. Now surgeons and those people have a little bit more flexibility. But if this, give this intervention. If this, give this pharmaceutical drug. And the unfortunate sadness is there are a lot of people, like my sister went to medical school, who wanted to really help and they're getting out of the field. They, they can't do the medicine they want to do. The smart entrepreneurial ones figure out how to do DPC, right? But that takes a different mind like you have. But the bottom line is that we need to build a movement. We need to let go of this illusion of going and begging to congressmen. They're not going to do anything. A very good friend of mine runs, you know, is a leader in one of the biggest financial institutions in the world. He goes, Shiva, this is how it works. The politician, House of Representatives gets in there two years. The day that they get in, what do they want to do? Get elected. So if you look at their schedule, go look at their schedule. 80, 90% of it is with donors. And the senator who gets in, he wants to go another six terms, six years. There, look at their schedule. They will never solve infrastructure issues. We need to build a movement. And anyone who says you're gonna go beg to legislators and write letters to them is out of their mind. They don't know what they're talking about or they're purposely misleading people. So we need to wake up and we need to look back at history. We need to build a movement, a massive, powerful, uncontrollable movement. <laughs> That's the only way we're gonna win. Dr. Shiva, um, I'm yep. gonna have um, Tom McDivitt, I'm gonna have him kind of, uh, sure. ask, because it follows up on your question here and then we will get to Pastor Broden and then we'll get to Lisa and Jim Thomas. Um, okay, so um, Tom McVivitt, are you still on? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yes, would you please ask your question? Thanks, Dr. Grace. Thanks, Dr. Shiva. That was a fascinating presentation. Thank you. Nice to hear from you. Uh, and I've been involved in politics and in media uh, for a long time. Okay. What are, in, in, in a very short time, 20 seconds, what are the principles that would guide this movement that you seek to create? Great question. So what are the principles? I'll tell you what they are. Uh, first of all, the goal is truth, freedom, and health, and I can articulate that. There are six principles. 
Number one, inclusivity of those people who believe in truth, freedom, and health. Number two, it needs to be totally transparent. Everything I do, I publish direct, open debate, open discourse, transparent. Number three, it needs to be based on a systems approach, not a reductionist approach, even how you look at building the movement. You need to take a systems approach, how you look at the, the, the ankle bones connected to the foot bone. I can talk more about that. Four, it needs to be decentralized. Decentralized. Fifth, it needs to, re it needs to be personalized, which means it needs to recognize different people are different. How you localize a movement in Massachusetts may be different than how you do it elsewhere. And fifth, or sixth, it must be based on no censorship, absolute freedom. Now contrast that to power, profit, and control, which are the goals of what people in the establishment want. Highly, I I, I'm asking you to talk to me as a voter, talk to me in simple, common terms that tens of thousands of people can resonate with. Well, tens of thousands of people, Tom, are resonating with truth, freedom, and health. Okay, that's good. Period. And what that means is without freedom, you cannot apply, you can't practice science and get to truth. And without truth, you're going to always have a fake problem and a fake solution, and we degenerate our health. And without health, we won't have the strength, be it our bodies or our infrastructure, to fight for freedom. So that's why we need freedom, open discourse, open debate, the defense of the First Amendment, so we can practice a scientific method, not scientific consensus. And then we can get to truth. And then we can have real, yeah. So that's what it is. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sure others have questions. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Broden. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. Uh, it's good to have you on. I think you have, good. Good uh, to see you again. Right. Uh, I think you summarize uh, the issue that we're facing uh, for far too many of us, perhaps even here on this conversation tonight, are part of the establishment. Um, that that establishment that is seeking to uh, communicate with our elected officials. That's our constitutional method. And that's our constitutional right, but it's not working. You have said that we need to start a movement. Starting a movement, I think, has been done before. Tea Party movement, the conservative patriot movement has happened in America, and it has fizzled out. Once you start the movement, how do you manage the movement? And what are its goals if, in fact, negotiating with our congressmen and our elected officials has not produced the results that we wanted in the past because many of them are on the dole are in the hip pockets of the lobbyists so what are we doing with this movement great question um so first a movement must have i mean uh, a must have um the recognition of what is the end goal, right? As you do in anything, what is the end goal? So I've attempted to articulate that in multiple ways, and I have a you know a, a thesis of that which I lay out in System and Revolution. If you want, it's a manifesto, um, and it's summarized. If you want, on our website, on a two-page document, the simple version of it. If people want to go read it, there's a simple two-page manifesto, and that movement is based on the recognition that we need to build an infrastructure for freedom. And that freedom can only come with, and I'm going to make it very tangible so it's not something esoteric. We need to have digital rights. And the di so you have three parts of that movement. If you want to think about it as a triangle, freedom engenders truth, truth engenders health, health gives us strength to fight for freedom, etc. So if you believe in that rubric, that's the rubric I'm putting forward. For freedom, we need to, we live in a digital world right now. Three, five major organizations control the world right now in terms of communications. Google and Facebook, AT&T, Verizon, and Vodafone. There could be others, but those are the five guys. We need to restore digital rights. And the way we get back to digital rights in a very, very simple and profound way is to ensure, this is gonna sound really weird initially, is the United States Postal Service must do their job. The Postal Service was created to ensure communication between us. That's why Franklin and the founders created. It was created because the British Crown was not allowing us to communicate and it suppressed the press. The press, according to the founders, was all of us. And that press was not being allowed. So the founders, at that time, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have all YouTube, etc. The notion was I could send you a letter and no one would interfere with it. In fact, the Postal Service had what was known as a police force. So 20 year sentence in prison. 
1997, Pastor Broden, I went uh, and I spoke, that's when email volume overtook postal mail volume. And I went and spoke to the senior executives of the postal service. I said, you know what? You guys aren't doing your job. You should be offering a platform for email and digital services that could be an alternative to the quote unquote free email. Because when we signed up for those free services, we gave up our rights. And that was the year that email volume overtook postal mail volume. So if you signed up for your free Hotmail account, for your free Gmail account, etc., we gave up our freedom. So one of the things we need to do is a postal service should be providing this. So they didn't listen to me in 1997. In 2011, the postal service was going out of business. I did a scathing editorial interview. The inspector general called me up in 2007. Dave Williams and he said, Shiva, why are you attacking me? I said, because you're not doing your job. They commissioned me, Pastor Broden, to write two research papers, which showed that the Postal Service could generate billions of dollars and we, and for about 50 to 75 bucks, we as citizens would pay money so we could have the equivalent of Facebook, all those things brought to you by the Postal Service, which is actually part of, it's a public commons. And that would provide all of us to communicate without being shut down because up until 1967, if you look at postal mail, 70% of it was vibrant political discussion and discourse. People weren't taking down people's Facebook posts because they said vitamin D is an antimicrobial, which is what Twitter and Facebook do. So number one, we need to have digital rights. That's one of the goals of this movement, and that's how you get to freedom. When we talk about truth, we need to, frankly, <laughs> is destroy the current academic establishment. It is made up of the academic elite. They're the oldest profession. They practice the oldest profession now. With all due respect, that's what they do. We, Eva, yep. Eva, explain destroy. What are you saying? Well, destroy means the following. Let me define destroy. Destroy means that their power needs to be devolved back to the edges, which means you and I and others, because prior to the 1940s, some of the greatest research, some of the greatest innovation took place by hobbyists, by scientists who would go essentially get, figure out how to pull off their own funding. This is why the invention of email bothers them because it didn't occur at MIT. It occurred before I came to MIT. Just like many great inventions occurred outside of the military industrial complex. So when I say destroy, let me be very specific. If we give, we as citizens give funding to any academic institutions, be it Yale, Harvard, you know, whoever they are, public funds, that research gets it today, the model of getting tenure today is they get it, they hold on to their data, they do their experiments, God knows how their experiments were either fudged or not, and then they publish, 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 and get their friends to cite their publications, they get tenure. It's an insider game. Here's a solution. The day that they get funding and they start doing their experiments for data, all of that data should go up into the cloud. And all of us, Pastor Broden, you, me, and everyone can get that data and we can do our own research. It's my data and your data. For example, can anyone find any of the climate data? Where is all this data? Where is all this data? So, Citizen Science Act. There's no reason to have only 10 people in this world or 20 people. Fauci, for example, with the five major university presidents can control the biological sciences direction in this country him and Francis Collins, because 50% of the multi-billion dollars go to a finite set of institutions. And look, I, I have a neighbor over here, MIT professor, neighbor over there, an MIT professor. And I have colleagues who I formerly know at MIT. They will tell you, you know, Shiva, you're absolutely right about the immune system or about climate, but I'm not going to say anything because I will, it's, it's not advantageous to me. So what we have is we have a plutocracy in academia they create outdated, quote unquote, fake science, and that is what the media uses. And everyone keeps their mouth shut and we regress to the mean. We don't have wild research anymore. In fact, the NIH funding, Pastor Broden, the way it works, it's not even innovative funding and I could talk more about this, but we need to devolve science, that's what I mean by destroy, back to the edges. And so, when you look, yep, when you look at the- Number three, number three. Number three, when you look at health, I think you and others have spoken about this. You know, there is a Safe Harbor Act. There's a number of things like this, but we need to, again, decentralize. One of the common things that you will hear, whether it be freedom or truth or to health, the Health Rights Acts that I put together, the Citizens' Rights Act, and the Digital Rights Act, they're all about decentralization. So decentralization I think there is a DPC doctor on here. That is actually the right model of healthcare, Uberizing healthcare back to the edges. 
It needs to be decentralized. Those middlemen who take away half a trillion dollars by cranking up costs, that, and, and that needs to be taken away. A simple way is you know, repealing the Safe Harbor Act. That's one step in the right direction. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor. Um, we're gonna need to move on quickly because we've got quite a few people who want questions and we only have so much time. Uh, Michelle? Lisa, Bennett, um, yeah, uh, you said you had three questions. Can we, is there any way to cut it down so others can get in? Lisa? I'm about to run out on okay. Instagram. If you can connect their whole, uh, they're going to be I don't know where Lisa is. Can you um, do that? Dr. Jim Thomas? One second, not yet. I'll, tell, I'll give it to you shortly. Dr. Thomas? Yeah, thanks very much. Hey, uh, great talk, Shiva. Um, How are you, Thomas? Uh, hey, doing all right. The, um, the history lesson was really good. In the Bolshevik Revolution, did they uh, did they kill all the doctors first? Um, <laughs> next, next no, they is, didn't uh, kill all the doctors. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. No, they didn't kill all the doctors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because that's what they seem to be doing by not protecting the doctors in this uh, COVID thing. Uh, disproportional uh, numbers of healthcare workers are definitely. Passing. Yeah. We're not even uh, being allowed to protect ourselves with hydroxychloroquine. The other uh, issue is the CDC. Is the CDC, does the CDC patent adjuvants? Well, yeah, so it's a good question. So for, from what I, first of all, I, I think people should understand the CDC, uh, as you know, hey Michelle, is not a uh, uh, public organization, right? So they own many patents. As I understand, they own several patents on several vaccines, uh, including certain uh, procedural patents, you know, uh, system patents, etc. Um, I would not be surprised if they actually owned uh, adjuvant patents. I have not looked at that, but I, I think it'll be pretty easy. We have a couple minutes. Yeah, um, I would not be surprised if they did, Michelle. Um, I would not be surprised if they did uh, own adjuvant patents. Uh, I think be, I think I think I I have a feeling they probably do, um, because I do know they own a, a, several, a number of patents. I mean, I'm sure we could pretty pretty much look on the USPTO website and see that. I'd appreciate that. The reason I ask yeah. that is because some of the vaccine companies, yeah, um, including one that is competing that made the vaccine for the coronavirus a good vaccine, which means no adjuvants. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's not mRNA driven. It's actually a DNA vaccine that uses electroporation. Oh, interesting. No needed. A strand of DNA and some uh, and some saline, and that's it. Right. That's um, interesting. Yeah. And, I, and and they they are not allowed to go forward because they don't use their adjuvants that the CDC likes to have in their vaccines. They have a they have a vaccine that'll eradicate HPV from the body. HPV sixteen and eighteen. Hmm. Eradicated from the body with uh, with this uh, electroporation, the CDC is trying to stop it because they don't use the adjuvants. Yeah, look, the if you look at the way the patent, many of these patents are structured, right? It is not. It is always it generates revenue not only for the dead virus but typically those adjuvants, right? It's a supply chain for them. So if you're eliminating those adjuvants, you're probably eating away at someone's profiteering. The other thing that's, uh, you know, from the vaccine model, this is going to be interesting if you go back to the origination of variolation, you know, these techniques, where if you look at traditional systems of medicine, people gave, the, in, in fact, George Washington uses, it was a technique brought to the United States by an African slave, uh, and it was a methodology where you scraped the skin, you know, you made it, essentially scraped it to a point where it's an incision, and you gave the whole smallpox virus, um, or the cowpox virus. And that is a methodology Washington used to protect his troops. So there's something to be said here, which is important that cultures have known for centuries that when you expose a body to the pathogen that you build immunity, right? And it was a business decision also because you could do it in mass rather than different people getting it at different times. So anything that you're going back to the original notion of exposing people to the pathogen in its full state letting it particularly interact in originally with the innate immune system and then the adaptive that's a fundamental thing it's not only the adjuvants but you're um you know you're short-circuiting the innate system 
Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Lisa Panette, are you on now? Okay. Uh, John Little. John, can you unmute yourself? Okay, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes, we can now. Hi, John. Okay, I'm, I'm a low-tech kind of guy. Well, yeah, I, this has been very, very informative, and thank you all. Um, I'm a family physician, and um, I have been telling people publicly and even on some radio programs that the, uh, the vaccine, when it comes out, and I really kind of think I know what you're going to say here, Dr. Shiva, but uh, obviously should not be a universal vaccine. And I'm trying to educate as many people as possible that, that if we're going to use it, it would be sort of a high-risk vaccine, the same way we have the high-risk flu shot. Um, what are your thoughts about the vaccine once it comes out, the appropriate utilization? Obviously, I would say not children and healthy young people, but Dr. Shiva, I'd, I'd appreciate your help in this regard. Well, there's, I think there's about three different vaccines in development now. One is an RNA type, you know, I would say nucleic acid vaccine Moderna is working on. In fact, the company is actually owned by one of my former MIT undergraduate advisors, Bob Langer. Bob, Bob is basically sort of the godfather, sort of the mafia of biotech in Cambridge right now. Anything he puts his uh, name on, you know, big VCs and big hedge fund guys, or private guys support. So if you look at Moderna, even Literally, when Corona was announced, they had a uh, deal with the CDC. So that's one type of vaccines, right? The nucleic acid vaccines. Then you have your traditional types of vaccines. But there's, I think, three in the pipeline right now. Moderna claiming that they have a head start and their stock prices sort of skyrocketed, if you see where, where they've gone. But I think if the question is, who should take these? Look, um, many of these vaccines, because they're in a different category of biologics, they're not even going through normal testing. They don't have to go through the rigorous, you know, uh, at, you know, the test tube, the animal, and then the phase one, phase two, phase three, they're all being accelerated in that testing model. So we don't even, I mean, just like the 30 vaccines that were done for children, except for the HPV vaccine, which was a fraudulent double-blind placebo control, this, if to, just to educate people, the 30 vaccines that the CDC put as guidelines, not one of them, not one of them has been double-blind placebo-controlled. The one that they claimed that it was, was HPV, was not. It was a fraudulent test. If you want, I can get into the details. But because vaccines were, they have, it's like a, it's like a total business profit model. Low risk, no, not enough regulations, you, you, you can't get sued. So in that model, I don't know who should be getting these vaccines, frankly. Because we know the flu vaccine, if you look at the actual data, they're highly ineffective. They're not effective. If you look at it, it, the papers will say effective, then you actually read it, it'll say how it was not effective, actually. So I think we need to take a big step back and go back to a different question. Where is the protocol for boosting people's immune system? Where is that? And the fact that that's not being talked about as a centerpiece of discussion that family practitioners, everyone should be thinking about versus vaccine, 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 tells me that something really smells, you know, something ain't right in Denmark, okay? That's what's going on here. And if, I think someone just asked, we aren't protecting our frontline doctors. In the letter I wrote to the president, I, you know, I said, it is a crime that our doctors aren't even being recommended the high dose DNA. I mean, now there, a research report just came out in Ireland, right? How vitamin D is an antimicrobial. Most MDs are not trained in catholicidins. I don't know if you guys are. Catholicidins are the microbial peptides that vitamin D creates. It is an antimicrobial. In high dosage, it protects you. Vitamin A protects you. And particularly for these people going on ventilators, why aren't they being given vitamin C, the high dose? So I find this fundamental disconnect. Yes, I, I did a whole video on hydroxychloroquine, okay? It is valuable. It stops glycosylation. It's, it, is, it, it stops viral replication. You have to include the zinc in it. But you know what? Vitamin D and A do the same thing. So why aren't we promoting that? Is it not sexy? Do we need to have hydroxychloroquine, a long 10 syllabic name, and then people say, oh, that's cool. 
But why is vitamin D and vitamin A even not even discussed as a protocol to protect our medical professionals on the ground? It is a very uh, powerful prophylactic. So my thing is, we should we should start building a movement here. When I was telling Dr. Uh, Pastor Broden here for immune health, that's health. How do you boost the immune system? Because you know why that that forward movement leads to many other fundamental issues. Why is there such a large growing amount of immunosuppressive suppressed people in this country? Where is that coming from? And that will lead to dirty air, dirty water, dirty food. That will lead to infrastructure issues, which the politicians are destroying this country on. We have D plus was D plus plus was the was the American Society of Civil Engineers rating of the United States infrastructure. Massachusetts got an F minus minus. Now think about it. It's hard to get an F. It's hard to get a D. You got an F. You got an F minus and an F minus minus in the place that MIT is. So we have dirty air, dirty water. I mean, the water systems here are, are, are about 100 years old. So what are we talking about, public health? This whole thing is a charade. And, and we, I'm saying we should move this discourse away from their discussion about vaccines and move it over here. Let's talk about infrastructure. Let's talk about clean air, clean water, clean food. And by the way, the Paris Accords had nothing to do with that. It encourages China to pollute another uh, 11 billion metric tons of carbon. And the people in China themselves were protesting and being locked up, risking their lives. We need to move this discussion back to something really fundamental, which is immune health and clean air, clean water, clean food. That's where this whole movement should be. And we should say, screw off to this vaccine discourse. This whole thing is nonsense. I mean, everyone knows this. You know how many kids are sick. 54% of kids have autoimmune disorders. How many kids have mental disorder issues? Obesity. That's what we should be. Let's, let's shut down the entire country for a year and let's solve that because that will give a big return on investment. But we're not doing that. Okay, thank you so much. Um, real quickly here, uh, Janice, do you want to ask your question? She had a question about hydroxychloroquine. Sure. Um, I agree with you on we need to build our immune system. That's that's critical if we want to be a healthy nation. I noticed that Japan put out uh, some guidelines on things to do to boost your immune system, uh, like taking butyric acid and a few other things like yeah. that. Um, but if we want to really put pressure like on the FDA, uh, it just, just going back to the hydroxychloroquine, how can we change that discussion? What's the best way to do that? We want to we want to be able to use the hydroxychloroquine early on in the stage of the disease, rather than at the later stages when it's not effective. Yeah, look, I think exactly you're right. The hydroxychloroquine has side effects, uh, and I've talked about it different than vitamin D and A. Um, it has side, but it's better than not using it. Um, I think what's going on is look, the FDA is too embedded in this process, right? They are highly intertwined with the CDC. Their model is to support the vaccine model. And this is what people need to recognize, that the amount of money that's in vaccines, part of recognizing this is for people to have an awakening to realize that the big pharma model is actually failing. Sanofi, who produces, what is it? Uh, I forget how to pronounce it, it starts with a P. The, the generic, the brand version, right, of hydroxychloroquine, They've been losing money like crazy. Their diabetes drug has failed. Their cardiology drug has failed. Hydroxychloroquine could be their savior in many ways. So I'm not saying we should not use it, but what I want to understand is that the, the model of big pharma is failing. They're failing miserably. Their trillion dollar industry is burning down before their very eyes. The FDA is not even giving allowances for some of their drugs because of the toxicities. Their only way out is vaccines. So when it comes to something like hydroxychloroquine, uh, uh, chloroquine, I think the model is, I think medical professionals, again, need to build a bottoms up movement. There needs to be a lobby of doctors to protect doctors and healthcare professionals. I don't think that exists because medical doctors are always thought that they were better than everyone. Oh, we don't need a union, right? Oh, that's for the nurses, but we don't need one. So I think it goes back to organization. People need to recognize that just because you have an MD degree and you graduated from medical school and you're not a nurse or a healthcare professional, you are basically a tool of the medical establishment. And what's showing up here that doctors actually have no power. 
And what should have happened is doctors should have been able to call their union or if they had a real union and say, screw this, we're going to get that or we will shut down. And that, that fundamental organizational uh, militant power in a way that we, people will demand what they want does not exist. It's run top down by the hospital administrators and FDA. We need to go back to bottoms up organization. We need to build these strong, strong, truly professional and workers unions. And I'm not talking about communist, which is what people try to brand that. I'm talking about the history of the American working class, which goes back to the 1800s. You know, May Day's coming up. May Day started here. It didn't start in Russia. It started when three American workers were shot in the 1800s, which gave rise to all the, you know, the, the drop in infectious diseases. So I'm saying medical doctors need to let go of their egos and their golden handcuffs, and they need to see themselves as workers, and they need to start organizing so this doesn't happen again. Their, their rights have been totally ripped away from them. I would argue that medical doctors have very little rights, particularly because of the medical boards. You know, they can get thrown out. This can happen. In fact, it's probably better not to be a doctor and do medicine than to be a doctor and do medicine. All right, let's go to yeah. um, Vicki. Vicki Wool, Dr. Wool. You can go. Hi, thank you so much for your, uh, your presentation. So Pontius Pilate said, um, so what is truth? And I'd like to ask you, whose truth? Because um, I, I can see that that has been... That's easy to, to change. Whose truth are you talking about? Well, paradigm? Well, well, you know what? So that's a good question. Um, so if you practice a scientific method, it's a very good question. The scientific method actually has two truths that emerge. One is called a law, and a lot of people forget this, and the other is called a theory. Not just a theory, but the uppercase theory. Let me explain. There is truth. And even John Paul Sartre said you can have political discourse and you can find truth. Well, the sun does not go around the earth, right? Agreed? That is not a relative truth. That is an actual truth. The earth goes around the sun. And like this, this is why the scientific method exists, where we ask a question, a honest, humble question, a hypothesis, or a get, and then we make a guess about what we think that is. And then we go do experiments. And those experiments will lead to data, we look at that data and we typically build a model of our understanding of what that data gives. And that will lead to what's called a law, okay? A law would be something like Newton's law of gravitation. And that truth is always, always can be broken, right? Because you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and finally you do it enough times it's called a law. Now the explanation of a law is called a theory, capital T which is many ways more important than the law, like the theory of you know, general relativity, which explains gravitation. So while a law can observe patterns in nature, how things work, the what, the theory is many, much more important. It gives a truth of why it takes place. Now a law and a theory are profoundly important, but they emerge from a conscious undertaking of having free speech where you're constantly questioning and questioning and questioning. Einstein said, you know, one experiment can destroy my theory, right? One experiment. And that's what he was waiting for because he said, all I need is one experiment to show I'm wrong. That is why openness and free speech are important, but there is truth. We've created an educational system which tells kids, oh, the answer doesn't matter anymore. It's how you got there. Total BS. This is a culture we've created. No, there is truth. The earth does go around the sun. There is something called gravity. There is truth. The immune system is not, is not being attacked by a virus. It's our system which attacks our own body. And so when we create this nebulous nature, no, there is truth. It's not relative. There is absolute truth. And you can get to that, but it takes the adherence to the scientific method. And we've gotten to a world where they don't want to do that. They want to make it scientific consensus. I can tell you that's not truth. Scientific consensus is not truth when you make everything relative to something. There is truth. So I think what's happened over the last 45 years since the Department of Education's creation, we've destroyed the notion of what truth is. It's become all relative. CO2 is a pollutant. It's not a pollutant. It's false. Um, we have, uh, if you look at the IPCC report by way of example, have you opened up and seen it? Truth, what is evidence? Dick Lindzen, one of the professors who he has a very good 
definition of evidence. You know what he says it is? It's unambiguous predictions. Unambiguous prediction. That is a definition of evidence or truth. Unambiguous predictions. That means you have a model, F equals MA, and it always predicts the same answer. Not like, well, one model says the ice sheet is gonna melt to 0%, another model says 100%, and there's 80 flavors in between. That's not truth. But we live in a world where the academics have created a false sense of what truth is, and where there is truth, but it is difficult to get to it. There is truth, there is a not so obvious establishment. There is truth, Bobby Kennedy did not uh, endorse Hillary Clinton, and people don't wanna believe that. They turn the other way, oh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. No, he supports, he supported people who support vaccine mandates. Wake up, he's not your fighter. That's the truth. So I'm, what I, I guess in closing what I'm saying is let's practice a scientific method, which is a very, very difficult thing to do, but it does lead to truth. Look at the works of Richard Feynman, amazing scientist. He came up with quantum electrodynamics and he can predict to 0. 0.0000000 to the power of minus 12, exactly a particular event taking place. That is truth. Truth I does exist. Discuss evolution with you at some point. What's that? I would love to discuss. Well, there, that, that's a theory now. That's a that's a theory. Okay. But it's promoted as truth. Right, but it's still a theory. There's a lot of gaps in there. There's a lot of gaps. Yeah, that's a theory. Um, Jan, I'm going to uh, put you on hold just a second. Um, Dr. Saba is uh, Christina. Do you have a question? I guess not. Okay. Um, before we do close, um, Jan Morrow did have. Uh, Jan, can you just ask one of your questions instead of all three? <laughs> yes, this is uh, for Lisa Pinnett because obviously she wasn't able to, to get through here. Um, oh boy, she's got some good ones. There was one here about Trump's. Uh, the FDA, the head of FDA, is now pulling hydroxychloroquine. Is that correct? I don't know. That was I, I, if that's if that's the latest, you know, I would not be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this entire thing, this entire fear mongering, it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the operating system of mandated vaccines. That's what this is all about. Okay. So if that's happening, then, I wouldn't doubt it. And then another uh, another question here is who is creating the guidelines about advocates not being able to be in with COVID patients now or anyone entering hospitals. Is there a way he sees for us to be a stakeholder in those processes? So apparently if you have in someone who is sick in your family or you're advocating for someone, you cannot go into the hospital and be there with that individual. And this, is, this is, goes against the grain of everything in healthcare that I'm familiar with because it's important to have loved ones there. Yeah, I mean, this, when I, you know, we had just one of our volunteers, an extraordinary woman, her husband, uh, you know, was a 30, smoker for 30 years, um, always was getting sick, and, you know, he'd, he'd gone into the hospital many times before, and she was always able to go with him when he had the flu, and he would get intubated. He got branded as COVID-19, and she didn't even get to see her husband. It's amazing. And we all know that the number one reason, if we truly care about public health, the number one reason people live long is because of social interactions, is because of fellowship, is because of love. And this is documented in a 1988 landmark report and more recently by some great research by Stephen Cole at the molecular systems level. When you socially isolate people, when you don't allow people to connect with other people, you upregulate inflammatory uh, markers in your body and you downregulate antiviral markers. And social isolation is worse than high blood pressure, is worse than obesity and is worse than smoking. So what are we doing to people? We're telling their loved ones who are sick when they actually need someone and maybe there's a recovery opportunity for that individual for having that love and that connection. That's what we're doing. So this whole thing isn't even medicine. I don't even know what's going on in this world anymore. You know, there was a thing called bedside manners, which you know we know there's a quote unquote placebo effect. We know the power of love. We know the power of fellowship when someone is there to holding your hands. 
and shows concern, how healing that is. And just by the mere, just from the biological basis we're removing that is anti-science. And then let's not talk even, then we have to talk about the fascism of this. This is your loved one. They have a right to be with you. And well, yeah, we're gonna have to it's extraordinary what's, what's going on. Yes. So he said that perhaps do not have a specific of this test to COVID-19. Yes. So, so let me just sort of summarize for everyone what you're asking. The question is, today we use what's called a DNA polymerase chain reaction test, PCR test, as a is base, as a basis. Specific for COVID-19. Yes. For what? Well, that's what they're using. They're using PCR. Okay. Yes. So yes. just to. Uh, how are we doing on time? Can I give a couple minutes? Well, you got four minutes, and then we're. This is over. Okay. I mean, so, so in thirty seconds, what a PCR test does is they take a, they stick a nose swab into you, and out of you they grab, uh, you know, uh, basically your mucus and sputum, etc. What they look for is so if the virus, if the coronavirus is there, it has an RNA ribonucleic acid sequence. Okay, they grab that and then. They have what are called primers, something that they think matches COVID-19. It's like a pattern matching, and they match it. And they go, oh, that pattern matches here, therefore you have it. Well, the creator of the PCR test, Kerry Mullis, who won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry, he warned people that this is not detecting the virus, that all you're doing is detecting a nucleic acid sequence. And he said that the PCR test is not quantitative, it's highly qualitative qualitative that was carrie mullis who won the nobel prize in medicine for creating pcr so the reality is that primer sequence that they're seeking is very probabilistic it's not like definitive so just because it's positive doesn't mean you have the virus first of all period and if you follow Koch's postulates which say that to prove that you have this virus causes this you have to find the virus in preponderance. Moreover, all of us probably have a little piece of this sequence. And I think the recent test said, they just did some antibody tests, I think one third of the people in Boston have this, okay? So the yes. denominator on this is probably massive. And the numerator is probably very small, okay? So, I would, yeah. so this entire thing, it comes back to this thing, this was a fear-mongering hoax, not to say there is no virus, but it has been perpetrated on the American people and the global people with other deeper interests. It's, it's obvious. This is not something that has to do with the immune system or public health. This has to do with mandated medicine. That's what this is about, top down, to basically constrain all the doctors on this call, to further you know, put, put you under the thumb, to further put the public under the thumb, and to further use the, the, the gun to the head. We will crash your economy if that happens again. You know what? Time to get an immunity card. You may need a card to go get your driver's license or we'll crash the economy again. That's what this signal was. 22 million people out of work. Hey, we're going to have to wrap this up. I'm so sorry to cut you off. I really am. No worries. Um, there, are, there are some individuals that um, really do not want their name uh, out there on a live stream. If anyone else, some people have already uh, texted me. If you if you are one of those individuals, or, and let me know so that I can turn those in to Dr. Um, Shiva and uh, Jen, his assistant. 
Um, well, well, just to be clear, the only the thing that I'm live streaming is me and you, <laughs> whoever was on the thing. Well, someone I guess got on the live stream and said that whoever asks a question shows up with you on a split screen. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so. We need a website thank, for thank you very much. Um, uh, I should share with people that I'm running for Senate. You know, it's part of what I wanted to share with people in the next 30 seconds. I am running for U.S. Senate. This Senate campaign is a unique campaign. It's become a really a campaign for truth, freedom, and health. If people go to shiva4senate.com, S-H-I-V-A-4senate.com, you can find out what the campaign's about. But more importantly, anyone who supports the campaign, I've created a book called System and Revolution, which teaches people I've, I've taught this course to medical doctors, everyone, how the body is a system. We take control systems theory and we make it accessible to the medical professionals, plus everyone. And then we've created a tool called Your Body, Your System. So people go up onto that site um, and we made it accessible to everyday citizens. So this, it's not like I'm going to get elected senator, then I'm going to do something for you. So people go to that site, people should recognize that that book that I wrote was basically about 50 years of knowledge out of my Fulbright, out of the MIT PhD research, which puts together a different way of looking at the body as a system, a different paradigm. And then if people go to your body, your system, um, they can, and by the way, we give, we're, you know, 25 bucks, we give that and people can't afford it. We actually are uh, giving scholarships to people. For medical doctors and professionals, it's really about educating people how the body is a system. So shivaforsenate.com, everyone should go there and support this unique campaign. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Pastor Broder, would you end us in prayer, please? Yes, Father, we are I'm grateful for information, the kind of information that would help us to frame a, a strategy that would create the movement that can rescue this republic from those who are seeking to undermine our Constitution and to corral us into a paradigm that is antithetical to the principles found within our Constitution. Thank you for Dr. Shiva and for the doctors who are on this line tonight. Grant to them wisdom, insight, and understanding that will enhance their perspective on how they can be involved in turning this situation around. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Pastor Broden. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Be well. Good night. Be well. Good night. So I'm going to continue here, everyone. That was uh, a very uh, incredible uh, summit we just did with medical professionals. I think we had about 50, 60, maybe even 100 doctors on that call. And the reason I did this discussion is because as our educational videos have been going global, people are getting very, very interested in really wanting to understand how you build a movement because the MDs themselves are recognizing that they are being constrained. And more importantly, what I shared here today, um, you're welcome, what I wanted to share here today is that we have to lose our illusions about how we want to build a movement. It's got to come bottoms up. It's got to come bottoms up. and I. I can't overemphasize what I wanted to share with you today on the not-so-obvious establishment. It's time that we let go of all these illusions that we have that someone from the top is going to come help this. It's never going to happen. Those people on the top have always been misleaders of movements. And, you know, I got to share with you that I had a call from some guy, some doctor today, wanting to call me. And, you know, this guy, I said, I said, why are you starting an alternative petition to what we're doing. He was sort of wanting to get into competition. And then I said, how can you support Bobby Kennedy? I said, why are you doing that? The guy supports Hillary Clinton. And he had his rationalizations. The point is, there is no rationalization when you look at this diagram here, okay? Both of these individuals, as I've shared here, be it Hillary Clinton or Bill Gates, are on the same side. I can't overemphasize this. They're both on the same side. And it's time we recognize if we're going to build a movement, we cannot be supporting people who say something against Gates and are silent against the other evil twin. That's the point. And we need to wake up to that because if we don't wake up to that, we're going to be misled. It's very easy to say, yeah, I'm against Bill Gates. I'm against Bill Gates. I'm for medical freedom. Well, what about 
Hillary Clinton. Why is Bobby Kennedy endorsing Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton took money from Monsanto. Hillary Clinton took money from the Gates Foundation. She's connected to them very, very closely. And they're the, they're the same. Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton. Hil Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, Bill Great Gates, Hillary Clinton. As in I shared in this talk with people earlier, this is essentially the structure of both of these people. Let me make this a little bit more clear so everyone can see it because it's something that everyone should really understand. Because if this is understood clearly, we will have a movement that will be unstoppable. But if we don't understand this clearly, we're all gonna be misled over and over and over again. As you can see here, these are the sustainable development goals. And you can see this organization, Gavi, which is supported and fostered by both Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton, the Vaccine Alliance. Yes, she's connected with Bill Clinton. So the Vaccine Alliance, as you're seeing here, is promoted by both, both, both Bill Gates and by Hillary Clinton. And this is an organization which wants to make global vaccines, etc. When did he endorse her? 20, 2000, 2008, and 2016, okay? He has not repudiated her. And this is what's going on. Big Pharma is failing. You see this graph? Big Pharma is failing. And these are Big Pharma's goals, which they put forward through their utopia, their model of utopia, sustainable development goals. And the way that they're gonna achieve those goals is to make sure everyone on the planet is vaccinated. And it's clearly right here. Right here, let me put it right here for everyone to see. This is the same goals that Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates both support, both of them. And the countries that they look forward to are countries like Denmark. Countries like Denmark is a country that has passed a law that they can come into your home and they can vaccinate you. And this is backed by the International Pharma Federation of Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association. There you go. These are the three leaders of that organization. You can see her very clearly. They are the, they're the leaders of the top major pharmaceutical companies in the world. That's who they are, right here. And this is who Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton are supporting through their organization called Gavi. That's what's going on. There's no sort of you know uh, way to get around this. This is a reality what's taking place. So what I wanna share with you is that if we wanna win this movement, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. And historically, as I just shared, there's always a not so obvious establishment. And the Kennedys, I'm not talking about John Kennedy, I believe is the Kennedys have become the institutionalized version of the not so obvious establishment. And that sacred cow needs to be talked about. That's right, they're all corrupt. And in this medical freedom movement, they've just been hanging out Bobby Kennedy all day long. You can't attack Gates without attacking Hillary Clinton, and Bobby Kennedy has said nothing against Hillary Clinton. Not one word. In fact, he's endorsed her, endorsed her, endorsed her. And he was in fact in Boston endorsing his nephew, who I may be running against, and whether I run against him or not, it doesn't matter, but the point is he supports vaccine mandates. He supports vaccine mandates. So it's time for this movement to wake up and, you know, in Hollywood, they call some people star effers, okay? People wanna just hang around stars and get so brainwashed by them. And some of the anti quote unquote vax and medical freedom movement is filled with people who do that. In fact, this guy, Dr. Badar, supports Robert Kennedy who supports Hillary Clinton. I just had it out with him. People are misleading people. They say the rhetoric, but we need to go to the truth. And the truth is, you cannot be supporting Hillary Clinton, or you cannot be being quiet about her where you're attacking Gates. It's easy to attack Gates, a dummy can do that, okay? But why aren't you calling out Hillary Clinton? All right, so it's time to wake up, and remember this, the establishment always has the not so obvious establishment, exactly. Call out Robert Kennedy. What is his whole shtick? Um, give me money and then I'm gonna go, give me money, then I'm gonna go sue them. He's been doing this for a long time. Come on. And you have other doctors going and taking pictures with him, hanging out with him, this guy like this guy, Dr. Butar. And when I exposed him, he started defending Kennedy. Why? What is that? This is not a popularity contest. This is not about being popular. This is about doing what's right. 
That's what we need to do. This is not about bowing down to the Kennedys and following which way that, yeah, now the fire Fauci movement is taking off after I started it. So people are jumping on the bandwagon. But that's not in fact what it's about. It's about building a movement. And anyone who doesn't, who wants to rationalize this behavior, Robert Kennedy, Yes, Buttar is supporting Kennedy and he's taking pictures of them. And I brought him up. I said, how can you support him? Do you know he endorsed Kennedy? Well, he wants to hang out with Kennedys. There's, look, I was in Hollywood. I was in Malibu. I'm not interested in celebrityhood. There are people who are interested in being celebrities. I'm interested in moving a revolutionary movement forward. Okay? And if you're interested in that, great. Support this movement for truth, freedom, and health. If you want to be popular, if you want to be popular, then go be popular. That's not going to get us anywhere. And that's why I'll leave you with this. The way you know someone's part of the not-so-obvious establishment, they have a hypocrisy. They have one yardstick for one people and another yardstick for other people. It's two different yardsticks. Oh, well, Bobby had to vote for Hillary. He's a Democrat. Why? They rationalize it. There's no rationalization. Oh, Bobby's a nice guy. He's fought for the movement. Really? What has he delivered? He wants to keep kissing ass to legislators. And he'll say his rhetoric and he'll bring other people in to say the rhetoric. But they do not want to build a bottoms up movement. They don't. Because fundamentally the Kennedys believe they're ones. And the people who follow the Kennedys, either blindly or stupidly, want to be Celebrities, they want to bow down to celebrityhood. So we need to wake up. We're not going to win a movement by having contradictions and having this hypocrisy. No way. No way. So if you guys want to go follow Bobby Kennedy and Dell and people who want to support them, this guy Butar started doing my stuff and I, he called me up today. I go, why are you supporting Bobby Kennedy? Do you know who he is? He goes, well, he doesn't support Hillary. I said, why hasn't he exposed Hillary Clinton? So this guy wants to be another star effort, okay? That's what he wants to be. And by the way, that's what people call them. People in Hollywood, people, these celebrities, call all of you who want to bow down to them star efforts, and you can fill in what that means, okay? So it's time we want to win, and we're not going to win by keeping believing and bowing down to the not so obvious establishment. Anyway, there you go. And people on YouTube will be coming back to you. We'll be putting this up there. Thank you very much, everyone. By the way, before I close, please go to Shiva for Senate. We've done some changes on the website given the enormous amount of response we've gotten. We, by the way, have a cool thing. If, uh, if you wanna interview me, we've made it easier. You just go to the site called Interview Shiva. You can fill out this form. It'll come right to us instead of getting lost in our email. Um, we have the platform here. If you go to the platform, we put together, oops, let me share this right here. Um, sorry again. If people go up to the website, there's an interview Shiva link now. There's a platform. If you go to the platform, it lists all the positions we have on the platform. In addition, if you go to videos, we have all the truth, freedom, and health videos. For those of you who want to get educated quickly, all the videos are right up here that you can get access to much faster and easier. Right here, that are there for you. And um, right up here. Okay, and then you can literally go and you can take action here. You can get Dr. Shiva on the ballot and here's a petition uh, to, uh, to get rid of Fauci, right up here, okay? Right up here and we're up to now 881,000. We're going to hit, so we need 18,000 more. So in closing, everyone out there, support the campaign. And remember, when you support the campaign, as I've mentioned over and over again, when you donate, you get access to an awesome book. You get access to your body, your system. And, and anyone who can't afford it, by the way, we've given people scholarships or afford whatever you can. But go to yourbodyyoursystem.com or you can go right up to the website, support the campaign. Those people are international. You can go to your body, your system right here and you can connect right here, all right? And go up there and sign that thing. Let's get another 18,000 more and get rid of Fauci. 18,000 more signatures. And by the way, here's your body, your system. You can go directly here and sign up. It teaches you what kind of system you are. 
how you've deviated from your system and what kinds of foods and everything can bring you back into alignment. That's what this tool is about. Or you can go right to Shiva for Senate and connect there. Okay. There you go, everyone. So in closing, a couple of action steps, go to Shiva for Senate, get yourself the system and revolution, your body, your system. So you start supporting yourself and understanding how the body is a system. Number two, go to that petition. Let's get 18,000 more and get rid of Fauci because I will, I have resources who will deliver that 100,000 signatures right to the president's desk. That's what we're going to do. That's what we need to do. So everyone have a good night, be well, and uh, be the light and let's start the fight. Thank you very much.